You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to uh, Sharing Socks, the first edition since the most unfortunate incident of the season with Luis Robert. I'm Liel and the duty geeks are at Southside Socks. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And with us, our guest, and he doesn't quite qualify as a geezer in this podcast because I'm older than he is, but he's damn close. <laughs> it's Jim Sullivan, who is uh, really a renowned theater director from, from coast to coast, theater artistic director, theater founder, uh, and all kinds of things, theater. But above all of that, he's a Sox fan. I mean, the theater is, eh, it's okay, but mainly he's a Sox fan. So, uh, Jim, why don't you get us started by giving us your background, because I believe you come by Sox them quite honestly. Well, yeah, I uh, grew up, uh, uh, formative years were in South Bend, Indiana, uh, in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. So, yes, I am a geezer. And um, in those days, the, uh, you know, listening to the radio uh, and ball games outside of Chicago was the Southside air feed and uh, WCFL and Bob Elston. And uh, so I listened to the Go Go Stocks uh, when I was playing baseball myself in City League and uh, going into Little League. So my heroes were uh, Louis Aparicio and uh, Nelly Fox, uh, Ted Klususki when he came over for the uh, that pennant year, uh, Minnie Minoso. You know, so that, well, that, that a bunch of bums, a bunch of schlubs. That's, that's, that's what hooked me for good. And, my, and it's interesting because, you know, it's the Civil War. And my, I'm the oldest of eight kids. And my dad, 
uh, was a Cubs fan, lifelong. Yeah. And uh, half of us are Sox fans and half of us are Cubs fans. And uh, it's, it's never changed. And um, uh, makes for interesting conversation. Uh, and, and my first game was uh, 1960 uh, when they, they took the uh, City League into the uh, uh, Comiskey to see a Yankees-White Sox game. Uh, they lost two to one. Uh, Mantle hit a home run that was still on the ascent when it hit the upper deck uh, left field. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, that's uh, that was my first game. So uh, yeah, and uh, I love these boys, and uh, I'm uh, very excited about this year, and uh, wish things are going a little bit better uh, today. You know, it's kind of I, just, I, I gotta I gotta say something real quick. Whenever I meet anyone my age who is a White Sox fan or anyone who looks my age who's a White Sox fan, I knew that I know they grew up on Frank Thomas because I'm like, I don't know how else you got hooked on this team if you're my age or around my age. And then you guys have Aparicio, Nelly Fox. So the Sox know how to hook you. They just don't know how to keep you happy. Well, after- you know, I, I was not a Sox fan back in the, in the Nelly Fox and Aparicio days. I can, didn't, Convert until 1971 when I moved to Chicago for the first time, and it really Dick Allen was my my first hero. But Jim, when you were doing your first three, my vision was you, you said Aparicio, Fox, Klazuski. Klazuski would have put each of those other guys in his bicep, and they would not have been pull up his sleeves and the biceps. <laughs> I do believe on. My- uh, my biggest Chicago White Sox beefcakes article I wrote for Southside Sox, Klazuski was the uh, fan vote at the end on the the number one beefiest guy that I missed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. From the past to the present, let's get it out of this way. We're recording this late on Wednesday afternoon, later than usual, because we wanted to catch the game first. Would have been better to miss the game first. Uh, <laughs> but it ended up, you know, one nothing Cincinnati. We all we all know that in ten innings, which Will and I both hate the man on second rule as being stupid. Although I think we would have lost this one regardless. I, yeah, I was going to say I think we can just include Jim, and we all hate it. <laughs> uh, but I, I think we would have lost this one because of just the way things are going. But we had uh, I don't know Jim how you are on on Tony Larusa. Will and I, you will be shocked to find, are not impressed with the gentleman. Never were as a human being, and never not now as a baseball manager. And he once again proved his ineptitude by not knowing a basic rule that applies to putting the man on second in the tenth inning. A, B, by having Leury Garcia for some reason try to steal second with first and third and and nobody out. And a pitcher on third who is not going to run. You're not running your 60-some million-dollar man to the plate to ram into a catcher. Uh, right. And, and then letting Billy Hamilton bat. I mean, <laughs> it's just boom, boom, boom. And it's been like that. I don't know. Jim, what's your take on, on all the Larusidums? Seemed to be, did you see on, you know, on the broadcast, you know, Hendricks was coming in and then he, uh, you know, uh, when he was brought in for relief and they stopped and turned around and said, Oh, you don't yeah. want me yet. He's back to the bullpen. And then the bullpen guys say, no, no, they do want you now. And then come back in. And this seemed to be a, a, a really a, a metaphor for this confusion about uh, what to do and how to do it at this point. 
I mean, and it's one thing for La Russa not to be aware of the rule, but where was the rest of the, where was the bench coach? Where, I mean, where, where was the brain trust? I mean, is there a brain trust? You know, I don't, I don't understand that, but you know, you, you, you've got to, you've, you've got to be better than that at this point. You know, I mean, what, what happens in August and September, you know, when the, it comes down to games that are. To be fair, the man only has like 40 years experience. <laughs> so we can't expect that much from him. This is his first big gig. I know he had St. Louis or whatever, but that's a small Midwestern town. This is his first real time managing in the show. And uh, I think we need to cut him some slack. Uh, yeah. Not at all. It's it's insane. It's really crazy. It's kind of to put it into a theater equivalent. Because my biggest thing was if you see Liam Hendricks on second base, how do you, as the manager of a baseball team, even if you don't know the rule, how do you not say to yourself, I wonder if I can get that guy off second base? And if there's a rule that will allow me to do that. Because our Australian closer is on second base in a tie game in the tenth inning, and he just doesn't do it, and it, it makes it makes no sense. So the theater equivalent is essentially the playwright hands you a, a big new monologue, and uh, you know the playwright says, "You know what? How about that guy who was the worst one at auditions? We uh, we have him do the big monologue at the end." Well, as a director, Jim, I think you would be saying. I might want to look at someone else for that. Not that this guy's the worst. He just doesn't have a lot of experience. So let me get the good guy to do it. I, I just don't know how you miss this rule. Yeah, but we, yeah. Even if you miss yeah. the rule, even if you miss the rule completely, nobody on your bench knows the rule. You That's have, right. That's for right. example, like, Danny Mendick on the bench. Why aren't you pinch running with Mendick? It's much more important to score that run than to have Hendrick pitch the 10th. Right. You know, Mendick is a good base runner. It's just everything is so logical that he didn't do in the 10th inning. And then the whole running Leori with Hendricks on third with the fastest man in baseball batting. There's no double play outside of a one hop 115 mile an hour line drive to short that that gets Billy Hamilton out in a double play in the 10th. It, he's just too fast. He's too fast. So you just, you got no chance of both of them getting out unless the first guy gets thrown out stealing because <laughs> Hamilton's not a great hitter, but we should have at least had one more batter to try to do this thing. So what is the issue, do you think? Is the issue that, that it's just old school managing, uh, going back to when I managed in the National League? I think I think if I mean, some of the, some of the new rules, like he didn't know the rule on how much time you have to uh, make a challenge, that was way back at the beginning of the season. And he blew a big one there. But some of these things, for example, pinch running for Hendricks in the tenth, that's not a, something new. That's something you should have been doing your previous 650 years in baseball. I I just think it's. I mean, I'm sorry because he's only two years older than I am, so I, I don't want to claim senility here. But I just think his brain's not popping right. I mean, if you look back at his career, he spent his entire career pinch running for pitchers. He was a National League manager. He has been putting pinch runners in for pitchers his entire career. And yet today, let's let Liam Hendricks run. <laughs> it's it's just there's, there's something not going on. Um, 
I realize the rules are new, but I would think theoretically he still knows all the old ones. So the addition of the four new ones that he's dealing with should come a little easier than this. But other things, you know, just running Laori in that scenario, that's just bad bad management decision. He's certainly seen first and third with one out in extra innings before. So so the idea to to send Lurie there, it's it's just terrible. It's terrible managing. And it's well, and that and there's this we had he had a bunch of bad ones just a few days ago. It's not like, well, everybody has a bad day. That that, that happens, you know. It he's had it's been pretty constant and, and pretty feeble. Let's let's switch. Let's talk good stuff. Starting pitching is looking really good. Much better than we ever would have thought at the start of the season. Uh and is yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Dylan Cease. Okay. I, 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 Will is a huge Dylan Cease fan. I'm a, I'm a huge Carlos Rodon fan. So I, I've been claiming superiority. Um, a plus. Yeah. A plus. Heck, no. Why, why didn't you bring up Dylan Cease to pinch hit for uh, Billy Hamilton? Yeah. <laughs> we got uh, two. Guys. Dylan, Dylan Otani is what I refer to him as now. But, um, and if he can run a little, center field should be his. <laughs> I don't see a problem with that at all. At least left. Yeah. No, I, I was, when, when Cease had the great game against Detroit, I go, nah, because he owns Detroit. He always has. At that point, he had 10 major league victories over three years and six were over the Tigers. So, so I'd be Detroit again. So what? But yeah, he looked pretty damn sharp against Cincinnati, which is not a great team by any means, but had some decent hitters on it. Hey, have been bashing them. Yeah, yes. there's no of offense. He he no, was really good. Hit, the, uh, joy in Montville. Yeah. yeah. Um, he is, Cease just, I mean, went to a whole new level, I think, yesterday. And unfortunately, I started paying attention to who he follows on Twitter. So I don't know if I'm going to end up being a Dylan Cease fan uh, once the QAnon takeover happens. Uh, but we'll leave that out of it for now and just celebrate the fact that he's pitching with the confidence that we've kind of talked about on the podcast we've never seen from him. And we've, we've both said that, and maybe Jim, you'll agree, that, you know, he was never going to be great without that confidence. He, he doesn't have that strut that Giolito has. If Giolito gives up seven runs in a game, you know that Giolito is going to come back and probably pitch well the next time. We didn't yeah. know that about Dylan. And we finally, and the hitting actually probably helped this a lot because that was just a shock all around that he was three for three uh, with one at bat that actually looked pretty sharp. And, uh, you know, it's just great to see that confidence from him because I I do think now we have, you know, maybe the best number five starter in all of baseball, which he was a huge question mark before the season. And Keiko looked much better today than he has uh, the rest of the year. The other games, even when he got out of them, all right, he was getting hit really hard. He didn't get hit hard today. No, and he no, hit- no after the first. Yeah, it's 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 it was huge for us to have Keiko go deep in a game. He's been throwing, you know, only through the sixth, really, and even then, not 60 that pitches. Uh, today, I mean, he. I don't understand why people can't hit him harder, really. He's a great ground ball pitcher, obviously. But he's throwing at 82, 83, and guys are not putting the bat on the ball very hard. So he's 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 in good form, actually. Our starting rotation is sweet. I think we are currently in a good spot. Jim, who's your favorite in the rotation? 
Well, I would say uh, Radon. Yeah. I would say Carlos. Yeah. You know, just because of the story this year about him, you know, coming back from the injuries, uh, being number five, just making the team uh, back then, you know, I would say Carlos is, you know, because I, I love the, the the fact that he just grits it out and uh, is a survivor, worked on it himself, and has come back so strong so far. That no-hitter was very And it sounds like he and Ethan Katz are working well together. Yeah, they must be. I mean, he's he's a totally different pitcher in a lot of ways. He's so exciting to watch. He's moving quickly when he's pitching now. He's got a repeatable motion. I, you know, I I tell my dad every week, I do expect your mean Mercedes to taper off a little bit, maybe not hit 430 uh, in the major league. He's down to 393, I think. It's already over, and uh, but I think Rodon is here to stay. I, I you see it in the way he's throwing, the way he's moving, the way he carries himself, his strength. I, I think we got Rodon as as a solid starter for this whole year, barring injury, which we will address when we come back after this commercial break. Um, pretty devastating blow to the White Sox this week. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this already knows about it, but you're going to get to hear three strangers talk about it. Uh, We will be right back on Sharing Socks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And welcome back to Sharing Socks. Before the break, we talked uh, a little bit about pitchers. We got uh, two Rodon fans versus one Dylan Cease fan, but I might convert them by the end of this day. We'll see. Uh, and now we're going to talk a little bit more about questions. Who's your number one? I'm a Dylan Cease fan. Oh, okay. I'm oh. a fan of them both. Yeah, yes. we're going to root for them to win. Paul, but... I say Carlos. Okay, okay, cool. So we're we're fans of everyone. Uh, there just might be some misguided favorites. Yeah, and we should before we get to the to the injuries to the position players. Uh, Will and I should own up. I believe last week, as we were speaking about Garrett Crochet having a nice, relaxed motion now, which means he shouldn't get hurt. They were placing him on the IL as we said it, <laughs> just to get us. <laughs> to be fair, though. We, own up, we, we apparently made a mistake there. It no, but we didn't say that we thought he had done it. We said that <laughs> it looked like he was working on it because of his speeds, and we said that the other option with those low speeds is that he's hurt. And then by the end of that sentence, apparently he was on the IL. <laughs> okay, on to Luis. Be careful who you talk about. Jim, uh, what do you what do you think about this Luis Robert loss? Well, 
that was terrible. But you know, it's it's a team game. If you're going to win, you got to win with the whole team. So not my my thought at the time was, well, let's find out how good we are. You know, how let's see who can step up because this is a game where you need the talent, but you need a lot of luck. You need the baseball gods to smile upon you, and you need a lot of luck over the course of a long season. This was terrible luck. How do you? How do you? Uh, what's the strategy going from here? That's that's what I'm interested in. Seeing. It's interesting to me. They called up Luis Gonzalez, who can play center field. I don't believe he can play it in the major leagues, but if you call him up, you probably should give him a chance to try. And then they don't play him. I. I pre- Presumed he would have been in one of the two games in Cincinnati in center field, just to say, I, I think he would have struck out four times, frankly. But uh, you call him up and he doesn't get the sh- – why is he here? It's it's like Jake Lamb. Why the hell are they here? Oh <laughs> Jake Lamb. Boy, I sure miss, sure miss Adam Engel, you know, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Engel, Engel comes back, of course. He goes to center field. That That becomes pretty basic. It does mean we don't have a platoon, a nice platoon, for Eaton and Wright. Uh, it ends up being maybe Lauri, who can't really hit left-handers either. Uh, he tries to field with Gonzalez is a left-handed hitter. He's out. I I, I don't know who, who goes to right field. The Ancis, uh looks like a, an excellent option out there. You know, he's got a good right field type arm. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we know he's got the cannon. Um, so t- looking at Twitter response to it, you get a lot of people on Twitter saying, a lot of Sox fans saying, oh, Luis isn't that big of a loss. He's just an average player and everybody's just whining. And, and you know, I just got to say, I think any fandom, any fan of the Sox that thinks Luis Robert is not a special talent is an idiot. Um, it, the kid is unreal. He, he has a skill set. He runs 21 miles an hour to go get get a fly ball yeah, you, you don't yeah obviously even if you don't lose huge amounts defensively because angle is so good uh but you lose something i mean anybody unless you put byron buxton out there anybody is a loss defensively uh but offensively i mean he's whoa he's got so many skills of, and speed and power and base stealing and, and everything else and one of the things and i, I bring this jim but Will and I have talked about this before. I'll turn it over to you. What One of the things I worry about, particularly since he's been hitting badly, as is typical of him in early spring anyway, is Jose Abreu. Because when Jose really gets into batting trouble is when he thinks he has to be the man. And, yeah, and there's so existed much left. Existed through the time when they had the terrible, terrible designated hitters right behind him. And then it... it got better, even though we had a horrible DH again last year, but it got much better because he knew that um, Aloy and Robert were back there and could pick up anything, and he didn't have to hit it 420 feet. I'm really afeared with a real lack of hitting behind him. All the, the hitting in front of him, if they go Anderson and Madrigal and Moncada, there's lots of hitting in front of him for him to drive in, but behind him is yes. pretty weak. But I, I, I don't know how you feel on it, Jim. Well, I, yeah, I, without that protection, uh, it's an entirely different uh, game for him, I'm afraid. I mean, I wasn't worried because previously I thought, well, you know, like everybody, they see a, he tends to start slow. Uh, the weather heats up, he heats up, and the whole team uh, uh, plays better. 
especially this year, uh, given the, you know, how, how they looked on paper and how they were showing themselves to be in the field. So uh, we got Robert. So Eloy doesn't, we don't see until September, we hope, late August, September. But still, there's some protection there. Now, Vaughn has to step up. Uh, your mean has to be consistent. Grandal has to, has to step up. Those three guys in particular have to step up offensively uh, to give some sort of protection for Abreu to be the Abreu that we love. I mean, Grandall, I totally agree. And I think, I think Grandall is the key to all that. I don't think Grandall has a hit since our last podcast. He's got 12 walks since then, but you know, the, the guy's not hitting the ball and he, you don't function as protection if you don't hit. He's, he's doing an incredible job drawing walks. I'll give Grandall credit where credit's due. But you're not protecting him by by leading the league in walks necessarily. You know, it's it's interesting on the walks front, just an aside on it. Today, as often happens in his case, he really was struck out. But he got walks because he's Yasmani Grandal and he really knows the strike zone. And so if it's even vaguely close, instead of being 50-50, it's a 90-10, he gets the call, which works well for us. It's worked against us in prior years with, people like Carlos Santana, who has the same thing. If, if there's a 3-2 count on Santana, you better put it right down the very middle of the plate uh, because it's going to be called the ball if he doesn't swing. And that's the same thing Asmani's got going. I I don't really understand why this happens in baseball, but it does, and it works out well for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a possibility uh, – that it could work to put Moncada behind Abreu in the lineup. But I, I do think what you're saying is is exactly right and that Abreu is now just trying to do all the heavy lifting, which we've we've seen him do for years. You know, we've seen we've watched years and years of an offense where if Abreu wasn't carrying it, it didn't exist. And I worry that he is because he's, you know, you're getting massive leadership vibes from Jose this year. He was he was ready to go with these young guys. And I worry that with Aloy and, and Robert both having very bizarre, terrible injuries at such a young age, that he feels like he's got to step up and, and, and do too much. Uh, even with someone like Tim leading off the game, who's also an energy powerhouse, um, you know, Jose's thinking every time, if Tim's on, I got to hit him in. And we're losing a lot of that smart opposite field hitting, a lot yeah. of the two-strike hitting. Um, and I, I think he'll come around, but again, it, the per- protection, Jose doesn't come around until we start seeing something from Grandal, until we start seeing something from Vaughn a little bit more. And I even think with Vaughn, it's, it sucks that he's in that position. He's, he's a minor league baseball player who happens to be in the major leagues. And now all of a sudden he's not only in the major leagues, he's got to play a position that he doesn't really play. And he's got to be the protection in the lineup for Jose Abreu? Come on, that is a tall order. Well, I, I think I dissed your mean by not saying that he could behind uh, Jose is, is pretty good protection right now. I, I do think it has to normalize at some point. Not well. And I mean, the, he's the, a good hitter. He could still be a good hitter, but it's not going to be what it is now. They're not scared of your mean. Every, everyone they're facing no. out there still thinks – this has to taper off at some point. We're going to find the pitch to do it. So he doesn't feel like the protection in the lineup that you would have from Luis Robert, who is just a constant threat in every aspect of the game. 
to do something spectacular. And then Aloy, you know, that injury is just heartbreaking because he was probably going to have a pretty remarkable season. He was, he was going to be ready to go. And we were, I think, you know, I was looking and someone said, yes. Yeah, so Robert was showing. He was what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say that Robert was showing so much more patience and better uh, 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 strategy at the plate. He wasn't striking out as much. He was taking more walks. He was hitting over 300. He was laying off those sliders. Yeah, and kind of what we talked about, that Robert uh, sort of started jumping on the ball a lot faster when he might see a fastball or a hanging breaking ball. He wasn't letting it get to two strikes. Because once he had two strikes, you could throw it to first base and he would swing. Uh, Jim, let me throw you another question. Uh, Will and I have wondered why, in some circumstance, somewhere, and I would have thought Cincinnati was the ideal point for this because there's no designated hitter. Why aren't they letting Mercedes have a crack at catching? He was not bad. I have wondered that. Yeah, I've wondered that myself. You know, uh, that's that's a very good question. Uh, and it seems like it's I wish not- someone would uh, some investigation at the bottom of that because it's because he he's not shown up at all yet, as far as I know, not a single inning yet. No, as, as a catcher, yeah, not one. And Larusa showing no sign whatsoever that he will ever be used in that capacity, which is a little problematic because it just means you got a lot of catchers sitting around the dugout. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but they they got to find more ways to use them, especially, you know, I was uh, after Robert got hurt, someone was saying, you know, it is really tough to replace those guys because you're essentially replacing, you know, potentially 70 to 80 home runs uh, when you replace Eloy and, and Luis. And we have no way to make up for those right now. We have no way to make up for right. those. So I don't know what the answer is, and we are certainly desperate for some more outfield options. It's just give the give the guys credit for winning as many games as they are uh, under these circumstances. They could easily have already sort of tanked uh, with losing all these guys. It's just such a blow to morale. Um, but the starting pitchers have sort of been the saving grace. Yeah, the relievers the center, mm, yes. not so much. The relievers have not been so hot. <laughs> Hendricks is looking like a pretty expensive pinch runner right now. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's about all the time we have this week. Uh, Geezer, any final thoughts? No. We, well, we have the uh, league leading at least. They are, I think, at this moment, I don't know by the end of the day, the Kansas City Royals uh, coming up. Uh, that's not normally a difficult assignment. <laughs> we beat them nine out of ten times last year. It wasn't rough. <laughs> but, uh, you never know. I, I do think, uh, you know, I was sporting a Royals hat on the podcast out of rebellion last week this week i've gone to the white Sox minor league team the winston salem winston salem dash uh, in honor of us getting some more baseball going around the country um 
But yeah, Jim, any final thoughts? Well, I think a huge series now, all of a sudden, you know, I think we, we have, I think we're going to get a better sense of what this team's character is this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely a series we need to win, especially with the starting pitchers pitching the way they are. They should be able to handle the Royals, although the Royals have proven already that they are a potent offense as well. Um, well, that's about all the time we have. Uh, I just want to thank our guest one more time, Jim Sullivan, theater director, Chicago, extraordinaire, born and raised pretty much, I think, yes. And uh, you got to go keep an eye out, check out his work. He's a great guy, great director. Uh, and as for me and the geezer, you know where to find us again next week. We will see you next time on Sharing Socks. <laughs>